Well, good morning. Good morning, Walter Spires, and I am so delighted to be here with you this morning, as I always am. Uh, we have got a new series we're starting today. I'm very excited about it. I'm also still hobbling around a little bit. Um, this um, recovery from this these uh, major spine surgeries back in June has been uh, prolonged, to say the least, and so I ask you to continue to pray for healing, very specific healing that those nerves going down my left leg, which is where the uh, where most of the pain is, would would just be healed, would heal in whatever way, in whatever way. God can heal in so many different ways, and I'm praying that he would bring healing there so that I can... Um, get around better and get back to the things that I was doing before and getting out more for ministry in different places, to the being a prison, mission, church, whatever. It is a desire of my heart to do that, and I'm beginning to do that some, but there's a long way to go before I get back to engaging the way I believe the Lord wants me to. So I, I appreciate your prayers for that. Again, excited about this message uh, Living Proof. It's a series called Living Proof, and we're going to begin that today, so let me pray us in. Father God, thank you for your word. Your word is truth, and we are always so thankful, so thankful to gather around your word and get into your word so that your Holy Spirit can speak to us, speak to us, and teach us what you want us to, to hear, and, and, and more than that, uh, help us to have the, the courage to apply these things in our lives as we await the, the certain and imminent coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ through the rapture of your church. In Christ's name I pray, amen. The subtitle of this, and it's a word that I just had a lot of fun studying, and I've been mispronouncing it all of my life. It's called a primer for Christians, P-R-I-M-E-R, and it looks like primer, like paint primer, and I pronounced it primer all of my life, and I imagine most of you have as well. And yet when I was studying the word and just going back to the meaning, you know what I mean? It's kind of a short educational tool or book. You know, they, uh, some books in the old days were called primers, but it's pronounced primer. Everywhere I studied it said it's pronounced primer with a short I. And so I learned something there, even before I got started. But why do we need a primer as Christians today? Well, I believe, and certainly the events of the, the recent week or so now in Israel continue to point to the fact that the return of Christ in what we believe to be the rapture, if you believe in a rapture, which I do, and I think most of the church does. There are a lot of people who don't. There are some people who don't believe in a rapture. I believe God will rapture out his church, and I believe those verses well discussed and pointed out pretty clearly in Second Thessalonians, it's just clear when we see Israel constantly being the, the focal point of the evil and the things going on in this world and all these other nations throughout our history, since Israel was formed as a nation out of Abraham thousands and thousands of years ago, it is God's focal point in the world. We need a primer because Christians need to better understand and know who we are, who we are, whose we are, what we stand for, uh, what the difference is between the um, uh, a, a postmodern worldview, 
a biblical Christian worldview. Uh, I'm, we're going to get into that later as we go through this series. This part one is a test called Jesus Ask Hard Questions. That's our message today. You know, in Jesus' ministry, many times he was very plain and stated facts. And he told people, he told them, he said, you know, I've come to save, call sinners to repentance. I've come to save that which was lost. He told his disciples many things as he taught them. He taught them parables at times and things that they just couldn't understand. But he also was a master at asking questions. And so I've taken three, four if we have time, but at least the three questions today to ask you, because this is where we start. This is where he began with his disciples, asking them questions, and they are really important questions that you and I need to be answered. Because what we're going to do, what I'm going to challenge you on this, as I always do, and I have in both of my last two books, is to know if you're really born again in Christ. If you're part of the uh, Devotion podcast series that I've been doing for years, this last month or two, we've been in the book of John, and uh, we've titled that Hanging on Jesus Every Word. And you can subscribe to that. Uh, there are a lot of ways to do it. You can go to onlyjesus.life, the website. You can look on the Anchor uh, Anchor. Uh, Spotify podcast, and you'll get those. But we've been in John chapter 3 for quite a while because it's that dialogue between Jesus and Nicodemus. It's one of the most, perhaps the most important conversation in all of the Bible. I think John chapter 3 is the most important chapter in all of the Bible. It's certainly among them if it is not the most, and I think it's the most because it, cons it contains uh, certainly the best known verse in all the Bible, and we've been in that verse for a while. So we're drilling down deep because Christian, if you are a Christian, you need to know these things. You don't need to equivocate. When someone asks you these questions, you need to have an answer. And so we're going to look, we're going to look at three questions today that Jesus asked the disciples, and I'm going to ask you. I'm going to give you the passage, and then we're going to pause and just think about it for a second. The first question. In Matthew 16, again, Jesus talking with his disciples, and he asked them, who do people say that the Son of Man is? He referred to himself as the Son of Man very often. And the disciples said, Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, but still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Now, that's an interesting. those are interesting answers because all of those would imply uh, reincarnation. Because you know, I know, they knew that John the Baptist was dead. He'd been beheaded. Jeremiah, the same thing. And he said, okay, well then, who do you say that I am? And that's the question for you and I. Who do you say that Jesus is? They'd been with him for a while, for a season. I don't know the exact time at this point, but they'd been with him. They were only with him about three years in total. But that's a long time to spend with someone day in and day out, hearing their teaching, hearing their words. They listened to the messages that he taught, seeing all the amazing miracles that he did. And so he just asked them a question. Well, who do you say that I am? That's who they say. Who do you say that I am? Now that you've been with me, now that you know me, who do you say? Simon Peter, <laughs> the bodacious one, jumps up and says, You are the Christ, which means Messiah. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Whoa. That's quite a declaration from a fisherman that had just been following him around for a season. But here's where that answer came from. Jesus said to Peter, 
Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Barjona just meant that was his father. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. In other words, you didn't figure this out on your own because you're smart. Rather, it was revealed to you. My Father who is in heaven revealed this to you. That's just part of the early work the Holy Spirit was doing in the life of Peter. And then Jesus went on to say at the end of that section in Matthew 16, he warned the disciples that they should tell no one that he was the Christ. They warned him, don't tell anyone that I'm the Christ. Why did he say that? Just as an aside, why did he tell them that? Well, well, he told them not to do that because he didn't want things being stirred up around that yet. It wasn't time yet. His time had not come. So he didn't want them out there running around saying, hey, we're with Messiah. We're with Messiah. He's Jesus is here. This is the one. He's the one. He's the one. That would have stirred people up even more than it did later on, but too early. It wasn't his time. It was not his time. And so I ask you, who do you say that Jesus is? Who is Jesus to you? Who is he to you? And I want you to stop. I want you to pause as I look up a couple of verses to share with you about that. Who is Jesus Christ to you? Peter said he was the, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And yet Peter went on to deny him, didn't he? We'll talk more about that later. Who do you say that Jesus is? Who is he to you? Have you ever thought about that? If you're born again in Christ, if you are a Christian, who is Jesus Christ to you? In John 4, I'm going to read a couple of verses here that just help to, uh, us to know how to answer that because we must. Surely we know how to answer that if we're born again in Christ. Born again in who? Who is he? Who is he to you? In John chapter 4, Jesus had been with the Samaritans. Uh, the passage with discussion with Jesus, dealing with the woman of Samaria. And you know that story. I'm kind of skipping down through. I apologize for that, but we don't have time for me to discuss that whole thing. But let me pick this up in John chapter 4, verse 40. So, so when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they were asking to stay with them. And by the way, he wasn't even supposed to stop there. The Jews hated the Samaritans, hated, hated them because Samaritans were half-breed Jews. They were half-breed Jews. They were Jews who had been cohabitated with with the Assyrians going back to the Assyrian captivity of the northern kingdom, Israel. And Samaria was actually the capital of that country when, when Israel and Judah were split into two after Solomon's death. So the Samaritans came to Jesus and asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. That's shocking. That is shocking. The disciples were shocked that he, he, would, he would even talk to a woman. And it, But here's the reason why many more believed because of his word, his testimony, who he was, he taught them. And they were saying to the woman, because she'd run in and said, come see this man who told me everything I'd ever done, told me about my husband, told me all the things Jesus told him. Is this the Christ? Is he the one? So all these people came running out to see him because of her testimony. And these people were saying to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe. It's not just your testimony. No, we have heard for ourselves 
and know that this is the one who is indeed the Savior of the world. He's the Savior of the world. That's who Jesus Christ is. If you're born again in Christ, he is the Savior of the world. In, in Titus chapter 2, there's another verse I want to share with you before we move on to the next question. Let me share a couple of verses. In Titus chapter 2, verse 11, we read, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. This is not the Jews now. This people for his own possession is his church, those who are born again in Christ. And so Paul so eloquently lays this out in Titus, that he is the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God. He is the Savior, Jesus Christ the Lord. That's who he is. That is your answer. Who do you say that I am? I say that he is the great God and Savior, the one sent, the only begotten Son of John 3.16, sent by God to save miserable sinners like me from our sins. Save me from the sin and death, and by death I mean hell. Oh, that it would just be death, but it isn't just death, it is hell. For those who are not born again in Christ, Jesus talked many, many, many times about hell, about the torment, the eternal torment that it was and is and will be forever and ever for those who are lost. So who do you say that I am? Brother and sister, if you're born again in Christ, you need to stand up and let the redeemed of the Lord say so, as the verse says, that he is the Christ, the risen Christ, the only one resurrected. Muhammad is dead. Buddha is dead. Confucius is dead. All the other religious leaders of the world back in those days, they are dead and they are not resurrected. They are dead. Jesus Christ is the only one because he's fully God and fully man who was resurrected who was resurrected, the Holy Spirit brought him to life, and he rose again, he rose again, appeared to hundreds and hundreds of people. Those are the witnesses, those are the witnesses that testify that Jesus Christ was risen. And so we serve a risen Savior, not a dead man. Not a dead man. That's who he is. That's who we say he is. Let the redeemed of the Lord... Say so. Aren't you just so thankful? Aren't you just so thankful that Jesus died for our sins? Aren't you just so thankful that the Holy Spirit, by the conviction of the Holy Spirit, led us to Christ? We received and believed, as it says in John 1, 2, and 3. We received him believing that he is who he says he is. Well, then Jesus' questions get harder. Get harder. In Luke chapter 6, I'm going to read a few verses here. Luke chapter 6, 46 to 49. 
in Luke's gospel that comes after the Beatitudes, you know, the Beatitudes in Matthew that are most well-known are Matthew 5, 6, and 7. That's the Sermon on the Mount. Um, but in Luke chapter 6, in Luke's version 46, this is interesting. After going through and, and repeating those Beatitudes, telling them parables, he said, the good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth what is good, and the evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth what is evil, for its mouth speaks from that which fills the heart. In other words, he's saying, if you're born again in Christ, if you believe in me, then there'd be these good things coming out that brings out good treasure, good deeds, is what he talked about. That leads him into this question that just is a hard question for them and for us. In Luke 6:46, Jesus said, "Why do you?" I bet he was exasperated in this. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do what I say? You come running to me, Lord, Lord, Lord Jesus, Jesus, the Christ, the Savior, and he said, "But you don't do what I say. Why? Why do you do that? You can't call me Lord and say that I am the Christ, the one that God has sent, and then live in disobedience." You're not born again if you do that. Just because you say the name of Jesus, the demons believe more about Jesus. The devil does. And we're told that they shudder at the name of Jesus because they know who he is. They saw him and were with him in heaven before what we know today is our world. They were there. Satan was there. That magnificent, beautiful angel described in Ezekiel 28 rebelled against God. It took a third of those angels. Those are the demons of this world. They know who Jesus Christ is, and they defied him. Satan wanted to be like God, and we're told that very clearly in Scripture, very clearly. So they know. We know. And Jesus' simple question is, well, if you know that, and you call me Lord, why don't you do what I tell you to do? It's because he said hard things. Jesus taught hard things. He said stuff like, take up your cross and follow me. Well, any time he mentioned the cross, <laughs> people went running. Of course they went running. It was a hard thing. It meant death. It meant death. I'm going to read those verses. Everyone who comes to me and hears my word acts on them, I will show you who he's like. He's like the man that built a house dug deep, laid a foundation on a rock, got down to bedrock. When the flood occurred, this torrent, it burst against the house, and it couldn't shake it because it was on a firm foundation. It was built on bedrock. That's the person that comes to me, Jesus said, here's, not just here's my word, but acts on them in obedience. Now, here's the other one. But the one who's heard and doesn't act just goes away because he's heard it but doesn't do anything about it. He's like a man who built a house on the ground on sand, on sand. No foundation, and the torrent burst against it, and it collapsed, and it collapsed. And the ruin of that house was great. Why? Because that person did not know Jesus Christ. Not really, because if we knew him, who do you say that I am? Well, we would obey him. In John 14, 15, a very familiar verse, let me read that to you and go look these things up, and I'll have this posted today, probably tomorrow. He said, if you love me, Jesus said, if you love me, 
you keep my commandments. If you love me, the sign that you love me is obedience. He said in other passages, the sign that you are truly born again is you are bearing fruit. And so we have to examine our hearts and our lives and say, are we bearing fruit? Are other people coming to Christ? That's what it comes down to. Are other people coming to Christ? Is our life being lived in a way that other people want what we have and they are coming to Christ? Too late in my life, and maybe that's not said well, but let me say it this way. The Lord continues to work on me by the Holy Spirit to spend my days, whatever I have left, and teaching his word and helping people understand the truth of it, what it really means, not some of this gospel light or other nonsense that's being taught around different churches and places, but to go in and preach and teach the truth of the gospel and to help other people see that and understand it. Why? To make sure that they can answer these questions and know for certain that they are born again in Christ. We're going to get... Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and, and then you don't do what I tell you to do? Why do you do that? There's no love, there's no honor, there's no respect in that. You're just seeing stuff that I do. You're seeing miracles. You think, wow, that's cool. A lot of people follow Jesus, and what we're told, what we're told is that when he told them these hard things, especially the thing about taking up their cross, laying down their lives, it says many people followed him no more. They quit. They stopped. Yes, they did. Got hard. Jesus called us to hard stuff. He asked hard questions. In John 6:38, Jesus said, "I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of Him who sent me." And so, if Jesus Christ, who is fully God, the second person of the this mysterious Trinity, came down from heaven to do the will of God the Father then shouldn't we? Shouldn't we? Well, the answer is a resounding yes, and we know that. The challenge for you, Christian, as it is for me, is to examine your heart and say, well, am I doing what he told me to do? Am I obeying his commands? And it begins with love, right? To love people. To love people the way the Bible explains it, not the way the world explains it. I've taught you on that before. Go back and look those up on YouTube or our website. Make sure you understand the difference because the world teaches a love that is not the way God taught it, Jesus taught it, and those who followed after him taught it. Okay, make sure you understand that. The third question, probably the last one we'll get to today, is this. And again, it, just, <laughs> it gets harder and it gets more personal. This time Jesus got right up in someone's face. And if you've been in church a long time, you'll know this passage, this exchange. And it's between, now, again, this is toward the very end of Jesus' time on earth. In fact, we're told here, I'm in John 21, verses 14. It's the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was resurrected, okay, third time. He appeared to them three times before he ascended into heaven, okay? And we were given those accounts. So the very last time, and this time he appeared to the disciples again, they had breakfast together. 
and they're all together. This is not an individual call out. This is really interesting. And so follow along with me and take this personally. Take this personally because this is Jesus speaking to you and to me through the amazing, wonderful, bodacious, weak, <laughs> and all the other things that describe the, the magnificent Simon Peter, the disciple, who ended up becoming one of the apostles leading the church. But this is when Jesus just got in his face and called him out. And I'm quite sure these were gentle words, although Peter didn't take it that way. They finished breakfast, and Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, Barjona, son of John, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than these? Now, a couple things there to explain, and we're not certain on one of them, is do you love me more than these? I think it's pretty clear he's talking about the rest of the disciples. And that could be taken a couple ways. Do you love me more than you love your brothers here, these guys you've been with three years traveling with me? Or it could mean, do you love me more than these guys love me? In other words, do you love me in a, in a greater love more than um, James, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, all the other ones? Do you love me more than these? I don't know. But what I do know is Jesus asked him, do you love me more than these? And we talked about this last time. The word for love there is agapao, agapao. Okay, do you love me? And in this case, it's a verb. Agape is the noun, right? Um, do you love me more than these? Now, Peter, and understand, you have to understand where he's coming from, what he's remembering as he responds. Because he responds in an unusual way, and this dialogue goes to three times, as you know, if you know the story. Peter answered and said to him, my glasses back on here. Peter said to Jesus, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. But he didn't answer with the word agapao, that kind of love, which is that strong, affectionate, bonding kind of love. He answered with that love, phileo. Phileo, which is the love of a friend. Love of a friend. And I just really, yeah, you're my buddy, you're my friend. And he answered in that way. Jesus asked it in a way that was a love of total commitment. Peter answered in a way that was this friendship, fellowship, brotherly love. Remember Philadelphia? It's called the city of brotherly love. Phileo, that's the word Philadelphia. means love, city of love. And I think probably the most clear is simply that, remember, it wasn't that long ago when Peter had jumped up and boasted, I will never deny you. I will never deny you. I will go to my death. I'll die. They'll kill me before I'll deny you. Because Jesus has said, well, before the cock crows, you're going to deny me three times. Peter's coming out of that. Peter's coming out of that denial three times. What we're going to see in this story and what we're told here is Jesus asked him three times. But the first two, he goes on to the second one. He said second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Same word, agapao, you love me. Committed, dedicated, same kind of love you said you would. Peter said to him again, 
But you know that I love you. And he used that same word phileo. And then Jesus said to him, shepherd my sheep. Jesus said to Peter a third time. This is interesting now. Simon, son of John, do you love me? But this time, Jesus changed the word to Peter's word for love. He said, okay, if I can't get you to say that you love me in the way that you said before, <laughs> those deni- before the denials and my restoring you, I'll use your word. And so he did kind of drop it down to that. And hey, Peter, do you love me? Now Peter was grieved. Now Peter was and he probably humiliated and embarrassed because, listen, all the other guys are around. All the other guys are around. Peter was grieved in his spirit. He was grieved because he said to him, because Jesus said to him a third time, do you love me? And so Peter said to him, here's what he said, Lord, you know all things. You know all things. And you know that I love you. And so there Peter testified that Jesus was God, is God, and that he's omniscient. And he knows everything. And he's basically, look, you know my heart. And if I can't say it right, or if I'm embarrassed, humiliated, these things because I am, you know my heart. You know what's in here. You know what's in here. And then Jesus said to him, tend my sheep, tend my sheep. And he went on to say, you know, that Peter would become this great leader in the church. Despite his denials, despite his failures, despite all those things that he did, Jesus restored him. He knew his heart. And he became one of the great leaders of that first century church. He was, I mean, in one sense, the leaders, Peter, James, and John. And my dear brother and sister, I want to wrap it up with this. Every one of us has been Peter. Every one of us has denied our Lord and Savior. We have. We have. I have. You have. And you say, well, wait a minute, Walter. I never verbally did. You could have done it verbally, but you could have done it with your testimony. You could have done it with that fear in your heart that you're afraid to stand up and speak up. You're afraid to use the word or name Jesus because you could get fired at work, and you probably would. The name of Jesus is, is a, <laughs> it's a four-letter word to the world. Because we're told it would be. So for you to continue to deny Jesus, and then Peter is still in you. But Jesus is asking you today, just as he asked Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? And I'm talking about that love of commitment, that love of, some call it unconditional. That's not, that's not what it means. Um, and I don't want to segue to that, but it is that love, that love of commitment, That love that I will go to my death for you, which he swore he would do, even though he denied him and ran away with all the others that ran away. Jesus is reaching out to us today to say, who do you say that I am? 
Why do you call me Lord and don't do what I told you to do? And then finally answering that question, do you love me? Do you love me? And, and talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. That's why in the Bible, there's no command to tell someone that you love them. The command is that you love them with the actions, with the hands and feet of Jesus, with a heart that worships and lifts him high above everything else in your life. Everything else in your life that nothing else takes precedent over Jesus Christ, your and my risen Lord and Savior. Nothing. No matter what it costs, no matter what it costs, no matter what the consequences are, would you ask yourselves those three questions today as we wrap this up? Father God, I just thank you for ooh, the challenge that you give us by your Holy Spirit and these questions that Jesus, our risen Lord and Savior, asked them. He's asking us. He's asking me. He wants to know. He wants answers. And he wants to see in my life the proof, the living proof, the living proof that I mean what I say. That's the only way you'll receive it. The only way. And Father God, for those who may come across this, watching, listening, reading, however they receive this message, this message was taught to Christians, or those who say they're Christians. But Lord, there's enough in it for someone to understand, to know that you are the only one. You're the only way, as you said in John 14:6. And so I'm praying, Lord, that someone comes across this and understands their need for a Savior. Understand Jesus is the only one who died for their sins. The only one who can forgive their sins and remove them as far as east is from west. The only one who can lift their lives up from the pit, can redeem them from the pit, and restore them once and for all to be with you, to fellowship with other Christians. Lord, I pray someone is doing that right now in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus Christ. Pray in his name. Amen. God bless you and you have a great week. To learn more about how you can become a Christian or grow in your walk with the Lord and receive freely of all the biblically-based content we have created or donate to help keep this ministry going strong, go to onlyjesus.life at onlyjesus.life.